When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Give me a check. Check one, two. Hey, yep. how's it going? Yep. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. And on this podcast... We explore questions that people have been debating for ages. Questions about music. And life. We're songwriters, musicians, music fans. And in the 25 years we've been friends, we've been practitioners of the unanswerable. But today, we'll delve into a new question, and we'll talk to some smart people. And we'll come up with the answer. Okay, Clint. What's today's question? Today's question is, what happened to the sax solo? That's the age-old question. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking maybe we even start straight up with this. Ah, uh, sweet sound sex. Clint, remember the sax solo? Man, those were the days. When we came of age, the primary soloist instrument was the saxophone. Bands like Duran Duran, Huey Lewis in the News, In Excess, even Springsteen. If you had a hit in the 1980s, there was a better than likely chance that you made some space for a sax solo. When I think of sax solos from this era, I think of a band that I know you love just as much as I do. Huey Lewis in the News. Right? The greatest. Absolutely greatest. I, I want to unpack why it is we like Huey Lewis so much. Because they're monsters. I mean, I don't sit down ever to listen to Huey Lewis. But when, when it, I hear them... It is on. It is on like Donkey Kong. It's true. It's great songwriting. So... I want to play one song in particular. I want a new drug. I want a new drug. Well, it won't make me sick. Well, it won't make me crash my car. And make me feel free, free, free. 
This so <laughs> this is a track from the band's third album, arguably its best album, Sports. It's the second single from that record, released January third, nineteen eighty four. Let's listen to a little bit of the sax song. So good. And though it only reached number six on the Billboard charts, it actually reached number one in the form of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. You know the story, right? Uh, yeah. So apparently the filmmakers behind Ghostbusters asked Huey Lewis if they could use this song. He said no. Apparently they'd already laid it in and it worked really well. <laughs> So they asked Ray, Park- Ray. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. to come in and write a song. And he rewrote I Want a New Drug. Let's listen to a little bit of <laughs> Ghostbusters. Want a new drug. <laughs> whoa, whoa. And someone, because the internet being what it is, mashed the two up. We got to listen to the mashup. Finally, the way it's supposed to be. So good. First of all, I also love Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes, do I. <laughs> Wait, is there a sax solo in Ghostbusters? Oh, that's That's a big difference, probably. I don't think there Let's is. Let's listen. It's keys. It's keys. It's yeah. a keys solo. Yeah, yeah. So that's how Ray Parker got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a totally different song. I mean, it's no sax, no sax in it. Sax defined the other song. Last footnote on this particular song. Weird Al Yankovic's version. What is it? I want a new duck. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of that. I want a new duck. One that won't try to bite. One that won't chew a hole in my socks. One that won't quack all night. <laughs> I, I think maybe we should have an episode. A parody episode. A parody episode. Yeah. Because... He is an undeniable genius. No one can touch him. There's no, anytime somebody does anything, it's, oh, that's weird out version right. of whatever you're doing. Right. No other genre is like that where one guy can define an entire genre so well. It's so true. All right. Okay. Back to the sax. Another iconic chapter in sax history, Clarence Clements from the E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen's band. What's interesting, Clint, is that we know Clarence's name. Kenny G aside, can you think of any other sax player? I know one. One. Go. Bobby Keys. From the Stones. From the Stones. Then the only reason I know it is because you'd think he'd be a keyboard player. 
Like they like Johnny <laughs> right. Guitar, or, right, you right. know, like Bobby Sacks. <laughs> but that that's why I, that's why I remember it. But that's interesting. There, interesting. I, there are a couple other sax players that we do know. So Van Morrison is a sax player, but Van mm. was more interested in horn sections, and that's a different thing. Like a sax solo versus a horn section. Right. Like horn parts are still iconic and an important part of popular music. But a sax solo is a different thing. Right. And Van created that two saxophone thing. Let's Double listen. Double sax. A lot of times it was just the two saxophones. So the sax played an important part, but not as a sax solo. Right. By Yeah, by itself. One sax. Another legendary sax player is Michael Brecker. Mm-hmm. For me, most iconic moment, at least in the music that I was aware of, was Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years. Okay, that's Michael Brecker. That sound right there. Like ripping up into it. Right. That's New York Saturday Night Live. That's Saturday Night Live. And that's, so what's his name? Lenny Pickett. Lenny Pickett. Lenny Pickett. And what's amazing is he joined that band in 1985 and he's still, that's. In Saturday Night Live band? He joined the Saturday Night Live band in 1985 and he's still the sound of that band and that music. Yeah. It's not him though. It is him. It's still the same guy. The same guy. <laughs> like ripping into a solo. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Here's another guy. I didn't know actually played sax, let alone this solo on this song. John Fogarty. He plays the sax solo in this song. As Iconic one. That's John Fogarty. That song would never have a saxophone in it. Right no, now. not a chance. No, no. What year is that? That was seventies, right? Let's go back to the Stones. Okay. Because Bobby Keys, though he was never like a full-time member of that band, you know, in the way we think of the Stones, we think of obviously Mick and Keith, we think of Charlie Watt on drums, Ronnie Wood on guitar. Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman left the band. Even Daryl Jones, who's been the bass player. Chuck Lavelle, yeah. 20 and Chuck Lavelle, like these guys have been in in that band for decades, but they're not in any of the press photos. Not allowed. And so Bobby Keys, similarly, yeah. he joined the band in 1971. He started touring at the age of 15 with Buddy Holly. Whoa. He and Keith Richards became best friends. They shared a birthday. But he was kicked out of the band in September 1973 following a concert by the Stones in Frankfurt, Germany. Bobby filled a bathtub with Dom Perignon, saddling the band with a tab that exceeded his entire tour salary. <laughs> Well played, sir. <laughs> but Keith got Bobby back into the band in the early 80s 
Mick didn't want to have anything to do with Bobby. Wow. Keith calls Bobby and says, look, we're rehearsing in New York City. Come, I'll sneak you in. And in the middle of brown sugar, just, just come out ripping. Come out ripping. <laughs> Good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> You're back in the van. <laughs> uh, this one too. Oh, but that's what we were talking about earlier. So that rip this joint from Exile on Main Street sounds like, like the fifties, like the music of the fifties. Chapman under the sea dance. Chuck, this is your cousin Marvin Barry. Listen, Listen to, to this. this. <laughs> But that, so what you just said, the fact that he played with Buddy Holly, right. that's coming directly out of that yes. lineage. Right. And all those bands back in the 50s had a sax player, one yes. sax player. Yes. I think that's an interesting thing about this whole question today is rarely is there a one right. saxophone player in, in a band. Right. So why would there be a solo for one? But that has flown by the wayside entirely. Right. And what we're going to do today is, is we're going to tell you reasons why that has happened. Because there are reasons why in popular music, the saxophone is regarded as maybe a, 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 a thing of the past. And it, it has like a nostalgia to it that takes you back to that era. The first instrument that I learned how to play was a sax. You know, that was 1984, 1985. Mm-hmm. That was like the coolest instrument. Yeah, you could of learn. course, man. You could rip any solo at that point. <laughs> Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Billy Joel's band, one saxophone. It's always, it sounds like the same guy played every sax solo throughout the entire era. It's always the same sound. That is hilarious that it's always sounds the exact same. There are a few things that define the sound of the 1980s. Mm -hmm. There's the gated reverb drum snare. There's the synthesizer. And then there's the sax Sax solo. solo. I mean, we already talked about Huey Lewis. Yep. Maneater by Hall and Oates. I mean, that could be the theme song to any movie from the 1980s. Yeah, or Miami Vice. And you're right. Right? Any John Hughes movie, too. Totally. Yeah. Another band, Duran Duran. Okay. Rio. I mean, you can picture this video yes. right of oh, yeah. Simon LeBond standing yeah. on a boat a variety of day glow colored suits <laughs> throughout, like, the video. throughout the video yeah, they yeah. like keep changing but yeah. they're different shades of, yeah. of day glow and the bass line is crazy and possessed and amazing 
But nowhere else in the solo. It, it, no. It, there's no, like, stabs anywhere, right? Right. It's just the solo. So he's, like, backstage smoking a cigarette. <laughs> right. And then, oh, Leo's on, man. <laughs> Get out there. Here's my, here's my moment. The same guy who played that solo played the solo in Careless Whisper. Yes, that's what I'm saying. T- There's only like three or four guys. I think it's the same guy who plays on all of them. His name is Andy Hamilton. Okay. I hope he got points on some of those records. Because Careless Whisper, that, that makes the song. Another band from the 80s, Men at Work. Uh, who can it be now? Who can it be now? Where's it? Right, Rowling, right up Rowling. the head. It's incredible. Every, you're right. Every single band had a sax player. Phil Collins, monster of the 1980s. I mean, I would actually like to do a podcast on how underrated Phil Collins is mm-hmm. because he had so many hits. So many hits. Also, second richest drummer. Right. Ringo, Phil right. Collins, Dave Grohl. Please refer to episode three. <laughs> All right, here's some Phil Collins for you. Again, comes in the solo. No other place in the song. Are there licks that come in during the verses or anything? Or is it just the just, solo? Just in the sax solo. So the question is... Okay, we've talked a little bit about the lineage of this. So it's, yes. it starts in the 50s with rock and roll, where the yes. band would be one or two guitars, bass, drums, and solo sax. Solo meaning one guy, one sax player. Yes. He took every solo, maybe guitar solo here and there, but like those 50s rock and roll, 12-bar blues rock and roll songs always had a sax solo in the middle. Yes. Then the 70s come along and Yacht Rock. Right. I think there's a lot of easy listening, soft rock 70s anthems that start to create a saxophone space. It became synonymous with easy listening. That, I think that's the first indication of what happened to the sax solo. Yes. When you think of the sax solo, you think of a guy with slightly permed hair. Mm-hmm. Blowing in the wind with a, with sunglasses on, with sunglasses <laughs> yeah. on and a, and, and shoulder pads and tipping it back and lifting the saxophone up in the air. Right, right. And there was a tipping point. Speaking of tipping, where <laughs> it went from being the coolest instrument mm-hmm. to the cheesiest instrument. Right. I know exactly what that moment was. Tell me. Nevermind by Nirvana. Grunge. Grunge. That changed everything. Everything. I mean. Maybe you could say hair metal started it, but I bet during that hair metal time in the late 80s, there were still tracks that we could find that had sax solos, but it was starting to dwindle in that era. So there's one band I can think of that was massive in the late 80s, and I love this band. I know you do oh, too. bring it on. In, in excess. excess. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's listen to a couple In Excess songs. I absolutely love this album. This is a ripping saxophone. Oh, God. Rip right into it. Can you think of a guitar solo in an NXS song? No. Right. So the guitar player 
of in excess. Like those guys grow up together. Right. They start their band. Guitar player just didn't happen to be a lead guitarist. Right. But they needed space. The solo was still the thing. I don't know anything about the how the band formed. Yeah. I did see the Michael Hutchins documentary, but I can't remember how it formed. But I feel like they were friends like back in the college or I can't remember the exact details. But any solo was not going to be taken by the guitarist. So in that era, what other solos were there? You got guitar solos are crushing through the 70s, through the 80s. There's still guitar solos. Right. But somehow the saxophone creeps up and gets its, you know, also has a place. And then electric guitar takes over the saxophone in the 90s as the lead instrument, right? Because in the 90s, there's still solos. Because what another part of this conversation is what happened to the solo the in solo. general? Because now there's no solos at all. So guitar has always been the solo. But I mean, this will have 50, to be a, 60, this 70s, will have to be a part two. Yeah. Like what happened even to the guitar solo? Yeah. That's like its own beast. Yeah. But specifically rock and roll, it's gone up, it's gone down. 50s, it was big. 60s, the Beach Boys didn't have much saxophone. The Beatles didn't have much saxophone. Then the 70s come. What about the Eagles? Did they have any no. sax? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So they're firmly in the 70s. But, but that sound, that ripping in sax sound. That's the 80s. Here's another thought. Okay. Did Kenny G oh, kill no. the sax? Interesting. Because Kenny G, let's listen to a little Kenny G. Oh, you just lost me. <laughs> you mentioned the Eagles. Yeah. Glenn Fry had a big hit in the 80s, You Belong to the City. Yep. Is that Kenny G? I don't know. Sounds like Sounds it. Sounds like Kenny G. But I think Kenny G may have killed the sax. You think it's Kenny G single-handedly? He didn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> or did Bill Clinton? Oh. Remember when Bill Clinton went on the Arsenio Hall show? Oh, and he played my. the sax as a way of showing... How cool he how was. How cool he was. He was going up against George H.W. Bush. Right. Who was and not playing the sax. Who was not cool in that no. way. And here's Clinton, the first of the baby boomer generation. Sunglasses. Sunglasses. Yeah. Doing the tipping it back. Let's yeah. listen. It's not it's bad. Not bad. It's not bad. A little pet bandy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's better than I thought it would be. Way to go, Bill. Uh, that was what, 92? 92. Yeah, 92. 92. Is when, yeah. Yeah. So. When did Nirvana. 91? No, 92 was Pearl Jam 10. Maybe it was 93. I think maybe. <laughs> so did he kill it? <laughs> did Bill Clinton kill the On sex? the Arsenio Hall <laughs> show, that single-handedly. It was a, a date Bill and Clinton. time. Wow. There was before. The Arsenio Hall performance, and there was after. <laughs> and after that, the world was ready for brunch. Yeah, flannel, definitely. I think we should talk to Jeff Simons. Because when it comes to what happened to the sax solo, <laughs> I think he's going to have some opinions. I think he's going to have some strong opinions. <laughs> Let's call him. All right. Hey, Jeff. Hey, man, how are you? I'm good. Congrats on the Rich record. Said you've been, Rich said you've been making a record. Yeah, I've been making a record. 
it's That's been what good I like one. to hear. Records are good. Records are good. Congrats on yours, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good point. We didn't even say why there's we've taken a little hiatus from the age old question because yeah. you've been making a record. Yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a quite a process, as you well know, sir. And Jeff, <laughs> your record came out in December, right? Correct. From my perspective, being really well received. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, my parents really like it. You guys have been really cool. Uh, well, anyone listening to this should check out Jeff Simon's River Run. This week, the question is. What happened to the sax solo? (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, We're interested in what you think. Okay. One thing that happened is that rock and roll became rock. And when, when we went from rock and roll to rock, we went from jazz combos being the go-to house bands to rock combos being the house bands. And that's why every hit single in the 50s is an E flat and every hit single in the 60s is an E, right? Because the band wasn't playing to the horns, it was playing to themselves. So part of what happened is that a more rudimentary group of musicians who weren't writing in flat keys for the horn players wrote the horn players out, out of the charts and out of the band. I think that really is part of it. That's so interesting. So interesting. We think of iconic sax players, one of the names that comes up is Bobby Keys. The Stones retained some of that 50s sax vibe. A song like Rip This Joint is just sort of like a coked up 1950s rock and roll song. You're right, that like they, they kept him around. And then of course there's Clemens. I mean, Clarence is, is all over the E Street Band recordings, although very sparingly. It's funny, once you start listening to how little Clarence plays, on Springsteen songs, it starts to get funny of what a force he is in people's imaginations. Right. You know? That's interesting. But he, spend, he spends a lot of time on tambourine. Huh. It's really interesting. You guys, are, you guys are professional musicians. Like, is anybody weirder than a horn player? I mean, I don't <laughs> want to call, I don't want to, like, lose friendships here, but, like, when, when I show up for a session or a jam and there's horn players, I'm like, here we go. I mean, they're kind of <laughs> crazy. By nature. I think that's the other thing. It's like like a horn section is an unbelievable pain in the ass to have in tune and then just have around because they like get in trouble and they don't show up. They don't load they in. Of, they don't load out. Right. But Jeff, we were talking about the bands in the 80s. It wasn't horn section. It was a, a guy and he, he, You're right. he sat on a stool until three minutes into the song <laughs> and then he ripped it for 30 seconds. God, you're right. Like the careless whisper phenomenon. Right? Yes. I mean, like... God, that really is weird. But I mean, that that's even a different example because that's like the head. Like he plays yeah, that multiple right. times. A lot of these songs, like an In Excess or Huey, well, not even right, Huey Lewis. In Excess is perfect. In Excess, <laughs> it would just be a solo. And it wouldn't be like riffs or like stabs or, stabs like anything. or anything like just that. Just like nothing, 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 nothing solo, nothing. And nothing. then boom, solo. Yeah. And at least Clarence Clemens <laughs> was playing the tambourine. I don't think like Duran Duran's sax player no. was doing anything. No. When he wasn't like had his 30, 30 yeah, I seconds. I bet you're right, Sorry. man. The other thing I was thinking of is that we, I mean, we crushed music education in this country mm. from the, that moment to this moment. Like, I'll bet there were a hundred thousand kids playing the saxophone in elementary, and middle school bands. I was one of them in the eighties, and I'll bet there are like five thousand today. Yes, like that's I think the so other thing we killed is it's hard to play those those instruments. Yeah. Like. Those guys, they're weirdos, but they earn the right to be. Like, the read is a really hard. So you don't have, like, a whole bunch of kids in fifth grade 
borrowing the the middle school saxophone and going home and honking into it like we don't have those programs anymore because we don't fund anything and if they do pick up an instrument they're not going to pick up the saxophone because it's way too hard they're going to pick up something else there's probably fewer people who can do it which leads to fewer people writing music for the musicians that don't actually exist that's a great point that's a great point Wow. I mean, that would be my other guess. Yeah. You know, like in uh, Terminator, when they like they pinpoint the day that like Skynet went online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we've pinpointed the day that we think the saxophone died in popular music. Well, let me hear it. I'm fascinated by that. What is it? We think it was when Bill Clinton went on the Arsenio Hall oh, my show. Oh, so funny. Because that, that, so that would have hilarious. been the fall of 1992, right? <laughs> <laughs> But we can't point to any popular music hit song oh that features a sax solo following Arsenio Hall's. Unless they're doing it to be funny. And they're doing it to like make fun of that era. So Bill Clinton killed the saxophone. <laughs> when the president of the United States can do it, it's no longer counterculture. Right. That is hilarious. I think baby boomers thought it was cool wow that's really cool. right but the rest of us were- but when he talked about wearing briefs do you remember when they interviewed him on mtv it was tabitha soren was interviewing him and uh she asked him what his all-time favorite saxophone player was and he said kenny g that's when he lost me <laughs> i mean <laughs> i was like how did you not get bill clinton alone in a room and and give him three cool saxophone right right out? Charlie Parker. Kenny, I mean, Kenny else. G's not Kenny G's favorite saxophone player. I mean, that's just a terrible answer. Well, we do think maybe it was a two-man job. Yeah. We think maybe it was Kenny G and Bill Clinton. I think they were in cahoots. Oh, my God. They really should have put a band together. That would have really been a great... It's not too late. <laughs> you know what I hate most is when the saxophone player does that circular breathing trick where they can just hold a note indefinitely. <laughs> so they just hold a note for like a minute and a half. It's like one of those things where I'm like, it's like, it's like watching Houdini stay underwater. I'm like, okay, all right. Like, but I just, it's just one of those things that just, I just hate. It's like when a saxophone player runs out of riffs, they do that. And it's like, I believe this is your card. I, just, I hate that move. Awesome. Oh God! All right, Jeff. Thank you so much. This is perfect. Awesome, man. I missed you guys. It's great to be back in the uh, back in the pipeline. So, thanks, perfect. Jeff. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. Take care. Wait a minute. The change from writing music from E flat to, to e, e genius is genius. For my money, what I don't love, I'll go on record saying this. It just seems out of place to me. It's like you're taking an instrument that should be in a different genre and putting in there. It'd be like putting a, an electric guitar in a bluegrass song is, is what it feels like. And I don't know why it didn't feel like that to them at the time. Maybe it was the reverbs and the, the gated drums and there's something about the, the tone of the sax that they liked. But I listen back now, as a producer, I would never put that sound in anything. But in some ways, like that's the 80s, right? You look at the fashion what women were doing with their hair, right. with the hairspray. The colors. And the colors. Yeah. You look back at fashion of the 80s, and you're like, people thought that was a good idea? Right. It's of very the, true of the sax. Of the sax. Now, and what Lenny Pickett's playing on SNL is more evocative of the 50s. I think that's pretty cheesy, man. It's I think cheesy. It's, 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 you're right. It's like, here's SNL. Okay. Ready? Give me that SNL sound. 
That's awesome. It's I, it's not cheesy. It's not cheesy. Is it? It is now for me. It's interesting because he's ripping it, and it's great melody. This is different though, because this is so iconic. So that's so the, that's the opening theme, and then what I played the, earlier is the ending is when they're the all end, on stage, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> Ray Charles. That that's reminiscent of the Saturday Night Live. You know the nighttime That's awesome. This feels like good sex. Right. Good sex. Good sex. Hot sex. Hot sex. <laughs> but the other one leaves me like I had to pay for it, right? Like, or it's like there's something like cheap sex. Cheap sex. <laughs> That is good. That's really good. Um, no, I'm saying there's that there's that saxophone in the '50s music, like bump, 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 bump. But and he would play along, and right. then he'd get his solo. Right, that solo sax sound. But he wouldn't be sitting on a stool waiting for his waiting solo. for three minutes into the song. And that's what the '80s. Did. That's what the '80s. The was. '80s took it out of nowhere, out of left field, only because it was popular at that time. And so I want to know what was the the beginning of this sound where did we Hugh get Lewis? this <laughs> that makes you laugh immediately right that that is funny it's awesome of course but it's awesome because it's funny we want to be clear like we love the saxophone sure in context in context in the right context but in the way that it was used in the 1980s it became a joke with great power becomes great responsibility yes and they they didn't have responsibility with the sax in the 80s. Yes. They were irresponsible. These were sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay. okay, so then the 90s hit. Yep. No more sax. No. 2000s really started that like pop punk thing. Right. And no sax. Right. There's two notable examples of the saxophone in pop music one in 2011, which is Katy Perry's Last Friday Night. And who played that sax? Lenny, Lenny Pickett. Pickett. From Saturday Night Live. And why would they put that on there? I wish I knew why. Why, why would they do that? It, because they were clearly trying to harken back to a time of yore. Then there was another one. Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. And who played that? That was the big man. Clarence Clemens. So again, there's only a handful of guys. Right. Can you think of iconic women sax players? players? I can't. Is that sexist? (laughs) (laughs) Sexual harassment, bro. You better take it down. Some sexual discrimination. Stop. We'll stop. <laughs> Clint. Yes. We have a great friend, one of my closest friends on the planet, and a good friend of yours, Emily Voorhees. Yes. She. Hey guys. You're not on yet. <laughs> okay, sorry. She's excited. <laughs> I, she's going to have something to say about this. Okay. I Let's, can't wait. Hey, Rich. What's up? Emily. What's up, Emily? Clint, how's it oh, going? Awesome. How are you? 
So, Emily, this yeah. week, the question is, what happened to the sax solo? Okay, well, brass tacks, the majority of the great heartbreaks of my life and the great lovers of my life have been saxophone players. Mm, interesting. I love a saxophone player. I lived in New York for many, many years. There are lots of them there. (laughs) 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 Um, So I got to say, I want to take this question one step further and just say that, like, we need the saxophone solos back because, I mean, it's that's all about loving. To me, the saxophone solo is a really passionate moment in a song. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So you're saying you don't see it as a cheesy thing. You see it as a passionate thing. Well, listen, Clint, (laughs) the truth is intimacy and, you know, bearing your heart on your, you know, on your sleeve and being raw, it can be cheesy sometimes. Mm. It's very well said. And I think that if you let your defenses down, sometimes good loving is a saxophone solo. (laughs) Well, this is this is something I hadn't thought of until just now, Emily. When you think of how someone plays a saxophone, you know, the lips on the mouthpiece, mm-hmm. you're holding it almost like you would when you're slow dancing with a the yeah, partner. Maybe. Yeah. Very sexual and uh, intimate. Intimate yeah. about even seeing someone play a saxophone. Right. That is not true of other instruments, sure. for example. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, I think the only instrument that is similar to that is like a cello or, you know, you're, you're holding it. Mm. Yeah. You're not just like playing it. You're a Kenny G, Al, what is he, soprano sax? Yeah, soprano. That's like, that's a little different. I don't know. There's something about like a bit, like those long, big saxophones <laughs> does. And I know often like in, in kind of elevator music, it sort of, is takes the place of the lyrics so it sort of can be kind of cheesy that way but it is like a it's words i mean it's like it's a language not being expressed by the other music so this is interesting i've always thought and we talked about van morrison is a sax player john fogarty i learned today is mm-hmm. a sax player both of their voices have the quality of a saxophone reedy very reedy voices yes let me play an example I mean, that's the growl. That's totally. And now listen to John Fogarty in Long As I Can See the Light. (laughs) That's incredible. It's reedy. You're right. Reedy sounds like a sax. That reedy tone to me is a very longing, just let it out. What you want, you're just going to go for it. Just go for it. That is a sax player. Yeah. Like you can almost picture... Mick saying, looking back to Bobby Keys, being like, just, just go, go for it. it. <laughs> totally. That was amazing, Emily. Thank, Thank you. I'm so glad you guys are tackling this really important question. Because yeah. I could, you know, to be quite honest, in this moment, I could use a sax solo. Okay. <laughs> Play Careless Whisper. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, thank you for joining the age old question. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye, Em.
So what happened to the sax solo, Clint? Well, I think we've determined that it, there have been a couple key moments and players that killed the sax yep. in popular music. I think Jeff nailed it. Two major things. I think one, he's right. The changing of writing the songs, writing the songs for the horn players yep. in, in flat keys, B flat and E flat, to writing songs on guitar, the folk movement, the electric, you know, once everything went electric. I, I think that's a big part of it. The music education piece is another amazing feature. Such a good point. There's no, my kids don't have any musical instrument that's forced upon them except by me. So I think three people are responsible for the death of the sax. First, William Jefferson Clinton. Thanks a lot. Second, Kenny G. I don't know what his real name is or his middle name. And Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And I say Kurt Cobain because he sort of was the symbol yeah. for that movement. Yes. And can you picture someone suggesting to Kurt Cobain oh. that they should put a sax solo? <laughs> Middle of, smells like teen spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, Rich, think we did it again? <laughs> I think we've done it again. <laughs> we hope you've had a good time and we hope you will join us next time when we answer another age old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. Also, if you're digging the podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash theageoldquestion and consider becoming a part of our Age Old Question family. With your support, we'll be able to answer many more age-old questions. Thanks. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.